0: From the fantastic Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company.
1: Carr's gonna throw it on first down, got all day. Coming deep, got a crossing pattern. Complete at the 35-yard line, baby! Ruggs does it again, that crossing pattern as he comes from the right across. 51 yards for Mr. Ruggs. Here is Carr, takes it back into the gun. Looks off, fires, intercepted. Picked off down the sideline, pass was intended for Waller, and that probably turned the lights out for tonight.
2: Burn the film, let's get ready for the next game. You know, if you just listen carefully, there's a lot of teams in the league that feel the same way after every Sunday or Monday. We got beat by a good football team, but we got to just get back on the horse and get ready for the Bears because they're coming off a big win and they need this just like we do.
0: It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield. on ESPN Las Vegas.
2: Here we go. Five o'clock hour on a Tuesday. Nova Home Loans is the location. Man, there's a lot of fanfare uh, before this Red Sox-Yankees games. Yankees game. It's at Fenway. Uh, Jerry Remy, who's sick right now, he's the uh, Red Sox analyst. Uh, he's out there, so the crowd's going freaking crazy. Uh, Eckersley. Is out there. No David Price, so Eck is safe. Remember that nonsense from a couple of years ago. So, uh, I think Jerry Remy's throwing out the first pitch. There it is. Nice throw. Eck catches it. So, uh, a lot of buildup for this game. A lot of hype.
3: Fired up? Yankees Red Sox in the postseason, of course. Just imagine what it's going to be like
2: for Giants-Dodgers. If it happens. It's happening. Dodgers have to win tomorrow. It'll be hilarious in, if it doesn't. In their wild card spot. It'll be crazy, but, I, you know, complaining about the playoff system, it is what it is. And, uh Listen, in, in the, oh, it, well. it's well, not what it in is. In the old, 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 old days, uh, the second-place team wouldn't even have been in the playoffs. So, but what they've done here is they shoehorned that extra wild card, so now you can have a scenario where one team wins, what, 107, 105, whatever it was, um, and the team that finished in second place could have a one-and-done experience in the playoffs. Yeah, but if this Dodgers team loses and they're
3: not in the next round, the format's changed. You think? Oh, yeah.
2: Baseball's not going to put up with that. But not for the Dodgers. Really? You think the yeah. Dodgers are that powerful with Rob Manfred? You think yeah. Rob Manfred's going to get it? Not get it. He's going to do whatever it takes. So, what do we do? Like three of five for the wild card?
3: Or, and he'll right. do for one the of those, second wild card. Is it three of five? They'll do one of those old, old things like, hey, if you win at least 100 games, then a team has to beat you four times in a row in the wild card. Oh, okay.
2: They'll do some nonsense. To and I misstated miss that. For the wild card, it would be, yeah. you know, now you do a series instead of one game. That's always been a little bit. Traveling. All right. Big five time.
0: Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the big five at five. Number five.
2: Uh, interesting tweet today from a guy named Darren Heitner, one of the uh, many legal analysts who've emerged around the country, a dude out of Florida, an attorney he says every member of the UNLV men's basketball team will be provided a $500 per month car allowance for one year from Finley Toyota A real estate company, and it says here, other Southern Nevada supporters, BPS Athlete is facilitating the NIL program. So what's been the running joke all day around the country in reaction to this tweet? Uh, That finally, UNLV players are allowed to be given cars legally. Uh, The running joke has actually been a reference to TARC. Sure. Yeah, because that's what most people know about UNLV. Um, This is good. It's very good for recruiting in the future. I will also say, I think any program that expects to be a top 50 program to recruit at that level has got to have a car deal for every player on the roster. Believe me, I was already writing back to friends to, about my school. I'm like, uh, they better all get cars. Like, this has to be commonplace if you're a top 50 program. Yeah. Uh, it's $500 a month allowance. Car dealerships, if I'm correct, I think can write off they have cars to give out. Sure. It's part of an advertising deal. Yes. The kids will, you know, probably do some charitable stuff, do some social media. It really in the BYU found a deal to get their walk-ons their school fully paid for. Is it This is this is a, an absolute necessity of a solid program and a very easy NIL deal to execute. You're making all the points that are relevant and, you
3: know, apropos to <laughs> the situation. You know, we have to go back to jokes. Uh, it's not even a joke. Yeah. I, I'm I'm dead serious about this, and I don't know if it's something wrong with me or what it is. I saw the deal. My first my first thought before anything else about recruiting or being good for the kids or anything else was, all right. So it's a five hundred dollar allowance. So you're gonna have to go through and like fill up the paperwork, and like some kids are gonna be able to get a better car because they have better credit because their payments will be lower. You know, dude, we'd have to look at. I have no idea how that works. I know. Yeah. Uh, believe me. There's something wrong with me. That's not what no, I think it's that's actually, not the point of it's actually, the...
2: But it's actually an interesting thing. I wonder if there's a lesson learned there. Well, in a lot of cases, you would think 18 and 19-year-olds really don't have credit. That did was you, another did thought you have, I Did had. you have credit when you were 18? Well, you are probably destroyed. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Before you even got to spend any money. Yeah, I'm sure people signed up for surly thousand.
3: Surly folks around you. A thousand accounts in my name when I was like 14 folks. years
2: old. Yeah, uh, yeah I...
3: I don't, like, that's the stuff I was thinking about. That was my entire thought process. So would you like me
2: to, uh, I need to follow up tomorrow? Would yeah. You, is a 500-dollar allowance. Hey, your, hey or just, just every one of them. How's your credit? And that's it. Don't even, I won't even press
3: this. Not, not even, no, I want I want more of how is their credit going to play into what's going on. Just, do they sit down with, like, a finance person? Like, we've been through the process, and Finley Toyota is fantastic with it. But you know, buying a car have, in general—been through the process with them. Buying yes. a car in general, yeah. uh, by, for me, it was the easiest process ever. Five hundred would get you what a twelve-year-old used car. Maybe. Well, I mean, yeah, my my car's paid off now. But my my
2: yeah, I just made your credit. Favorite. I feel like you've been repairing it for a while. It's, I've I, known you for a long time. My, Maybe it's a lot better now. No, it's almost perfect. Right, um, because you're you're a homeowner. Sure, that helps. Uh, and you actually pay your bills.
3: Right. But yeah, that, that was the stuff I was thinking about. It was like, so it's going to be different cars for different kids, and now you're going to have like, like one kid on the team driving some amazing car, and other kids like, whoa, what? What, what are you driving that? We get this free car. Well, actually, my payments were 750, so that's all I can get with this one. Like, I have no idea how it's going to work. I mean, I if, that, if awesome. that were
2: the case, that would be an interesting life lesson, would it not? I don't. I don't think a lot of college. Well, I guess some college students. If you're paying for school, then you learn early on what credit is like. So.
3: Hey, this is real-life stuff. Who's figuring out the payments? That's all I want to know.
2: We'll follow up for you. Thank you. Number four. So it's interesting. I don't want to get into the the front end of this, what I'm going to mention. Maybe we'll have some time to do it later on. Uh, I don't know if people have seen it, but Sage Steele, ESPN Sports Center anchor, is away from her job right now. Well, she tested positive for COVID, but she was actually uh, suspended, I think, officially because she made some comments about the company and their COVID policy. So she spoke out publicly against her company. Robin Leonard is a really interesting case with the Golden Knights. His tweets over the weekend left for a lot of interpretation. He certainly spoke out against, one, the league. Two, he specified a coach in an organization. Is he going to be suspended? I don't think so. Or is the league powerless because of the issue at hand? <laughs> You're, if he, you, he, kind of, he, he put him in a corner talking sure? about you know rampant... Misuse of, you know, drugs by teams and coaches
3: potentially. Yeah, and essentially implicated the league and you know everyone else for allowing it. So at some point, if you try to shut him down by suspending him, you're making things a lot worse for yourself. So yeah, I don't think you would necessarily be suspended. I do, you know, I know the league is meeting with him and discussing his issues and trying to come to some sort of, you know, understanding
2: with him. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Do you want to tell the audience, we talked about the story yesterday, but for the audience that didn't catch it over the weekend, it was on social media, Cliff Notes version of what he was sending out over the weekend in a string of tweets. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's mostly, and
3: I listen, I was all on Raiders this week, so um, I didn't dive very deep into what it was, but as I was seeing his tweets pop up, he is, well, first of all, he has a problem with the NHLPA in a lot of ways. He's, it started over the Jack Eichel situation where he had the problem with the NHLPA last year where he was told if he gets vaccinated, the rules are completely different.
2: This, and that this is be Robin able, Leonard, yeah, saying he yeah. got he got missed three. He, he felt he feels like he was lied to about yeah COVID and things opening up, vaccinations and the things opening up, right?
3: Where he was kind of on the fence about
2: it, and they said, hey, if you get vaccinated, you're pretty much free and clear.
3: And then he wasn't because not enough people got vaccinated, so the, the league didn't reach their threshold, and each team didn't reach their threshold, so he was still kind of under the same rules. And he said. Essentially, they were lying. Really, what they weren't, they were saying you have to, as a team collectively, all get vaccinated for in order for this to happen. But that's where he was with the league. Now with the Jack Eichel situation, where there is a battle of Jack Eichel and his doctors saying he needs a uh, surgical procedure, and the team saying no, you don't, and the back and forth there, and he's basically imploring the, the NHLPA, like, hey, you're here for the players. He he wants you know new leadership. He wants them to fight harder. For the players in certain areas you know he said last week um on a podcast and i know we we discussed it alan walsh who you would think would be you know public enemy number one for robin leonard that's mark andre fleury's agent who sent out that you know ridiculous meme during the playoffs a couple of years ago and robin leonard said yeah i was mad at him that was that was uh you know really unhelpful for all of us in that situation but that guy fights for his players and for his clients and for us as players in the league so I respect that part of it. Like anybody that's going to bat for us, I'm I'm all in on. So he's been pretty consistent in this stance in terms of Leonard wanting the NHLPA to do more for the players, and then it kind of spun into a lot of the you know different prescriptions that have been prescribed and how that's handled in the in the, um, uh, in the collective bargaining agreement. Um, he has a lot of grievances. It really started with
2: his kind of dispute with the NHLPA.
0: Number
2: three. One of the stories of the game last night, Raiders lose 28-14, but Darren Waller gets hit with a taunting penalty, catches a pass, goes to the sideline on the uh, Chargers sideline, spikes the ball, a flag is thrown. Here's Waller explaining uh, what he thought of the call.
3: Uh, I mean, I guess I get, you know, spiking on their sideline looking back, uh, but I mean, I wasn't doing it directed at anyone. It was just, you know, just kind of ration when I got up, but uh, can't put the team in that kind of situation.
2: Okay. I think he's holding back. Yeah. He knows sure. it's stupid.
3: Yeah, for sure. Uh, but, I mean, he also could have said, you know, what I, what I as an outsider say, which would be, where's the
2: consistency? I did five things way worse than that. Why
3: didn't you call those a penalty?
2: I spiked it at least two more times <laughs> during the game. Uh, I, I wish he had actually said, they don't have the nuts to throw me out of a game. So I kept doing it.
3: could It looked like a referee came over and told them, hey, man. You already have one. Stop doing this. But again, uh, I you're hope you said right. do it. You're right. Try uh, it. It's, 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 test it's, me. It'd be a funny position to put the, the league and its officials in to be like, this is a primetime game. You're going to kick out the best player on one of the teams for something that silly. You want to do it?
2: Let's see if you can do it. John Gruden on the taunting call. I don't understand the taunting. I understand. I hate taunting. I think it's ridiculous. I think what happens after an interception or a touchdown, we allow these celebrations. I consider that taunting. I I don't understand what happened over there on the Chargers sideline, but the official made the call. We have to deal with it. We couldn't get any momentum going. That didn't help us. Well, I mean, you get what you pay for, John. Right? If Gruden's saying, I don't like the taunting, well, when you put it in the hands of. You know, dudes who are 50 to 75 years old, they're not that old, but to be subjective on what taunting is and what it is not, then you're going to get stupidity like this. Yeah. And I, you know, I I heard Steve Levy last night carrying the water for the league by saying a lot of, it was really weird, a lot of young hip coaches. (laughs) Hip? Dan Campbell hip? I guess he kind of is. Brandon Staley hip? Maybe. But anyway, Levy said a lot of young hip coaches were behind this as well, like Kevin Stefanski and Brandon Staley. But, you know, for all those coaches who were against the taunting thing, again, think it through. There's no uniform set of rules. You're leaving it up to officials on another subjective topic. This was always going to be a disaster.
3: Yeah, the less subjectivity is involved in officiating, especially in the NFL, the better. The better it is for everyone. And, you know, when we talk about subjectivity, It's it's what we're saying, inconsistency. Like, you saw... First of all, and you know this was this has been discussed, but the taunting penalties have gone down every week. As much as we've complained about them, they've gone down every week. Do you know how many there were this week before last night?
2: Zero. Right. We haven't heard anything about it since week one because the league told the officials to stop. And last night, an official gaffed. I'm sure they got a yeah. call. Like, dude, what are you doing? We told you not to call these anymore unless it's you know freaking incredibly egregious.
3: And yeah, and the the spirit of the they didn't rule, didn't two
2: of the referees talk to each other?
3: Look like it. I thought.
2: I thought it took a little conversation. I'm like, here we go. They're gonna do it. They're not gonna listen to their bosses. Who, frankly, I I would guarantee, told them dial it down. Yeah, I would think so. And and, you know, like we said, and and
3: like Waller alluded to, you can't. You can celebrate. You can't celebrate in the face of your opponent or directed at your opponent. And they made the determination that spiking the ball on the Charger sideline is taunting. And as Waller pointed out. I get that. I get you can't spike it on their sideline, but my intent, like my thought process at the time wasn't, oh, I'm on their sideline, I'm gonna spike it. It was, I made a great play, I'm gonna spike the ball. I just happened to be on their sideline, which is a difference. I know it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like the old, what's the definition of the word is, Um, but he spiked the ball where he was standing. He didn't spike it at the Chargers sideline. Like there is a difference there. He just happened to be there.
0: Number two.
2: Raiders lose, but Hunter Renfro certainly had his special moments, including the fake punt attempted. Good call. Pretty good execution, but Hunter Renfro wrecked it for the Chargers. here. Uh, here's Brett Musburger on the call.
1: It's a, corner. It's a fake. Ty Long's going to throw for the first stop. In- oh. incomplete. Whoa. Hunter Renfro came up and Jardim. Jordan- charge the receiver what a hit by renfro he saw the fake it was going to be a first down and he ripped into the young man who caught the pass. and it will be first and ten for the raiders what a play what a play by hunter renfro
2: what a play here's greasy and levy on espn going crazy about it they're going
1: to fake Tyler off to throw for it and it was caught Oh, that was not a completion. What a play from Hunter Renfro. He's back deep, trying to, to to field the punt. He comes out of nowhere, out of center field. He sees it coming. Here he comes up and puts his hat right on the football to prevent the first down. That's a heads-up play.
2: Yeah, incredible recognition from, I think he started his run about 18 yards away and made the tackle right, well, it was, he, he broke it up, so... Um, between that play and the China route, in a losing effort, Hunter Renfro got a lot of attention.
3: Yeah, um, be very nitpicky on this first of all because uh, it's something I'm mad at myself about. Um, I wrote about the play by Hunter Renfro last night and the the fake punt. It's not a fake punt, and I I'm so mad at myself for saying is it, it. A
2: punter option? It it,
3: it it it's it's just a it's a designed check where if there's nobody covering the gunner, you just toss it out to him and. The other part of this, which I think a lot of people overlooked, wasn't going to be a first down. Short of the first down. So, it was... Was he going out of
2: bounds if no one had tackled him?
3: No, but the the tackle would have been short of the first... So, he's still... Not taking it away from Hunter Retro, He right. made the play. Right. But it's not like he had to separate the ball, right? If he makes the tackle there, he's short of the first down. It's not like he had to separate the completion to make sure it wasn't a first down. But all that being said, yes. Unbelievable play. John Green today called it... You know the best football players ever seen. <laughs> um, I, I I was blown away. I, I wrote an entire story just on the play uh, after the game because I was so impressed uh, by what Hunter Renfro did. And I think a lot of people were uh, there. Made up for earlier in the game, you know, dropping a pass, which you very very rarely see Hunter Renfro do. And then on that, you know, China route, which is which it's been called, it's kind of like a China route. It's its own. It's its own play. This is a play that they developed in practice. Um, I also read about that today that uh, this is something that they were in practice one day gruden said hey the way you're maneuvering all around what if you try this and hunter renfro kind of put his own spin on it and they practice it over and over and over again it's a it looks like it's chaos but it is a planned route that they're running and they ran it last week against miami got a touchdown ran it yesterday got a touchdown again it's very very effective and obviously i think as hunter renfro has kind of alluded to without directly saying it in the past the beauty of it is that it is now going to be very very well scouted but there are so many different things you could do off of it and if you think oh he's going to do this he's going to dig to the outside he's going to kind of half spin and then reverse directions what about when you just you go do that and then everybody's like oh he's he's reversing so you just stop there easy completion right out to the side like there's so many things that you could do off that route that it's going to be very difficult to scout it and and i think you're seeing you know, other teams, you're going to see other teams try to pick up the same route, try to do the same thing. Um, it's incredible uh, what that guy has been able to do in a short period of time in the league. And, and he is making an impact each
2: and every game, whether he has big numbers as a receiver or not.
0: Number one.
2: All right, coming up, number one after the break, we'll uh, talk about the loss last night, some other elements of the game, the offensive line. I thought some real good positives on the D line. Some guys emerged and made some big plays, but... How worried should Raiders fans be about this first loss of the season? I know it sounds crazy, but you're talking about a division with the 3-1 Broncos, the Chargers, now you've dropped a game to, and we know the Chiefs ain't going to freaking finish, you know,
0: 2-15. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000.
1: Back into the gun on this third down. Takes it back. Looks in the end zone. Looks for a crosser. Throws deep corner. Jump ball. Touchdown! Jeff caught, baby! greater touchdown! Darren Waller! Yeah, baby!
0: Cofield and Company is on the road at the Nova Home Loan Studio.
2: Waller with the touchdown there. You know, that's been interesting, too, the development of the last three weeks. Everyone kind of almost like poking fun at the Raiders for targeting Waller too much. Now they're having trouble getting the ball to him as easily because teams have adjusted. Uh, listen, injury-wise, this team is, is dealing with some stuff right now, and yesterday it got real ugly for the defensive backs because Arnett came in after Mullen went out. Arnett goes out. Do we have any clue on the severity of either guy? No, um, but the way John Gruden was speaking today, I
3: think there's definitely concern. He wouldn't get into detail. Um, As he likes to say on Mondays, this is Tuesday, but it's a Monday uh, for Raiders purposes, um, still waiting testing results, which usually isn't true. um, But I followed up and said, how much concern do you have that any of these are long term? And he said, yeah, a lot. Uh, He said, I don't want to break any bad news today. So that didn't sound promising.
2: Well, good news, I thought, for much of the game, until it was kind of used against them, was the play of the defensive line. I mean, they... You know, we, we were, I was touting how much better the Chargers def- uh, offensive line is, and Slater's good, and he had a good game yesterday. They're rookie, but uh, boy, that right tackle, you know, he's in for Balaga. He is, he's not good, uh, and he got he got beat up and brutalized much of the game, but they got a lot of pressure from other guys. Um, boy, this was nice. Let's play a couple of sacks in a row here by Phylon. Justin Jackson, play action, hit on the back.
1: Herbert is slammed to the ground. Sacked back at the 48-yard line. He was taken down hard that time. And that was Darius Fallon, who's been a huge addition as a defensive tackle. Herbert to throw. Going to be sacked. Down he goes. And that is that man again. Darius Fallon comes up with a sack. And the Chargers will punt it away. And the Raiders are climbing back in.
2: The line has been much better. And they're getting contributions from a lot more guys now.
3: Yeah, for sure. I actually thought uh, yesterday wasn't great overall. I mean, full on. Well, had, uh... the problem
2: the problem was, uh, and I don't know who you lay the blame on, they were getting so much pressure in the third and into the fourth when they couldn't make the 52-yard field goal. Carlson missed. You take over on the 42. All of a sudden, the, the Chargers were like, all right, you're going to come at us. Ears pinned back. Now we're going to counter. And it was just Eckler freaking Roundtree Eckler. and I mean, it just killed him with the run game. Yeah, and I, I thought
3: going into the game that was going to be what they did. I think it took a little longer to get to it than I expected. But I think you're going to see teams, even teams that don't particularly commit to the run, because you've seen Chargers games this year. I know you pay attention to them. They don't run the ball. And I think they came into the game yesterday and said, all right, if you as, as the Raiders want to just put your heads down and go, every single down, and just – Get after the quarterback every play. We're running at you. And I think the the Chargers tried to do that. It's not their strength, so they didn't do it the whole game, but they did it. They were consistently trying to run the ball, and then, as you said, in the second half, they really started to run it well. Eckler got over 100 yards. That's the first time he's done that this year. Um, they were, and Roundtree was running the ball very well. Uh, I think teams are going to start to do that more and more, is, you know, not only does it make the make the Raiders try to play the run with those, you know, those front four, uh, but it also slows them down when you're trying to pass the ball, right? You, you have to be much more concerned uh, with play actions and things like that because you you do have a running game going against them. So I, I do expect to see more of that going forward.
0: Get that mortgage tuned up right now. 877-700-NOVA is the number to call at NOVA Home Loans.
1: Play action. Car's going to throw it on first down. Got all day. Coming deep. Got a crossing pattern five yard line baby rugs does it again that crossing pattern as he comes from the right across 51 yards for mr rugs
0: from the fantastic nova home loan studios cofield and company is back i love brent on the calls of rugs like he
2: clearly was frustrated with rugs last year and every time he does something he's like yeah there he is and he always says he's like finally like okay He's coming along. He had three catches for 60 yards last night. He drew a P.I. Uh, also, there was another penalty on a, a pass that didn't connect where Carr was on the run, um, and Bosa wound up rocking him, drew a penalty. So some positives to talk about, some concerns as well. Tim Cates covers the Raiders. He's on the uh, pre and post and halftime for Compass Media Networks, and Tim joined us here in Vegas. What's up, Tim? How are you?
4: Steve and Adam. How are you guys doing, guys?
2: We're good. Mixed bag last night. You know, the Raiders did some good things, but in the end, they didn't win the game. They lose 28 14. Well, let's concentrate on some positives. First of all, what we were just saying about rugs, like it's it's coming here. The trust level is coming here, and other teams. And I, you know, I noticed Greasy was saying it all game. Like, you know, if you let this guy get a free run off the line, you are dead meat.
4: Yeah, and this is about time for Henry Ruggs. This is a guy, as you mentioned last year, didn't live up to the uh, the hype as a first round draft pick, but certainly fitting into this offense very nicely. Getting more targets, getting more catches now. Last night, the three catches for sixty yards, uh, most of which would came on that fifty one yard uh, catch that he had downfield. But they got to get him more involved in the offense. You look what the Kansas City Chiefs do with their speedsters. You look what the Rams are doing uh, down here in L.A. with uh, their wide receivers, Deshaun Jackson and crew. You got to get the ball in their hands. Because when they do, the good things happen after the catch. It's just a matter of getting him more touches, I guess.
3: So I've seen two kind of schools of thought on suffering the first loss yesterday. One is, hey, they're still 3-1. and one. You know, th- There's there's plenty to like about the start to the season. Uh, now they just put that one behind him and move on. And the other school of thought is all the flaws that the Raiders showed in their three wins have finally caught up with them. People have figured it out and now this starts the downfall. Which side of that are you on?
4: I think a combination of both. One, I think you look at the three one record, as you said, and say, "Hey, you're lucky to be three and one. You got a win on the road in Pittsburgh. You had two overtime wins at home. You take them, no matter how you won them. But you take them and you keep moving on." At the same time, I think some of the things that went wrong in those overtime games, especially uh, against Miami, are, are starting to rear its ugly heads and they did last night, especially the offense, the offensive line, and their struggles, really at the guard positions. I mean, Jordan Simmons signed a couple weeks ago. He's now playing a lot of snaps at the guard our position. Uh, The injury to Richie Incognito has been one that's really hampered this team. Alex Leatherwood is not Lived up to the uh, first-round pick level that uh, so many people thought about him coming out and placing right at the right tackle to start the season. He struggled last night against Joey Bosa. They had to bring a tight end, sometimes two tight ends, in to help him in in, in pass protection and run protection. Um, you know they've struggled up front, and those are things they were able to get around in wins and make some big plays against Miami and win in overtime like they did against Baltimore, but the fact that they've kind of reared their ugly head now and they caught up to him against a really good Chargers team last night i think he kind of go back and say hey we're happy to be 3 and 1 but these are the things that we have going on that are wrong, and these are the the struggles that we're having on both sides of the football. And they need to address these. And how do you address injuries? How do you address a uh, lack of depth at some positions? Because injuries. Well, I mean, last night they're down to what Amick Robertson playing playing cornerback. I mean, uh, Trayvon Mullen gets hurt, and, and Arnett gets hurt, and Nate Hobbs gets a, a head injury. I mean, you lose three cornerbacks in the game. You don't only have somebody on the roster when you when you when you have 53 out there. So uh, they're gonna have to figure it out pretty quickly here. And it's hard to address injuries at this point
3: in the season we mentioned the offensive line obviously that's a big topic of conversation uh, a couple spots on the offensive line just haven't been good and part of that is injury part of it is inexperience, part of it is just ineffectiveness uh how much i guess optimism do you have that it can get better
4: well, you got to hope that it gets better quickly, and you got to hope that, you know, guys like Alex Will Leatherwood, and I, I don't mean to pick on him, but, you know, this is a guy who some thought was a great pick in the first round where the Raiders got him. And thought Others have the school of thought that they reached really high to go get him. And so expectations are really high on this guy to go out and prove Mike Mayock and this Raiders front office right for what they were able to do in picking him when they did. And you put him in there at right tackle, and, you know, it's been a battle at some times. He, he's looked okay. He looked really good at times, and other times he struggled. And last night, you know, a lot of people struggle against Joey Bosa, but last night he really did struggle against Joey Bosa, and, and there was the one-on-one matchup. He was just getting beat. Uh, whatever Joey Bosa was doing to him, he was just getting beat, and he couldn't figure it out. And So they brought a tight end in. They bring a fullback in and try to chip him as well. They tried a couple of things to help out Alex Leatherwood there. But the struggles that he's going through here now sort of reminds me of Colton Miller a couple of years ago when they picked him out of UCLA. A lot of people thought it was a reach at the time then, but certainly Colton Miller has turned into a really good left tackle. I mean, pro football focus graded him out as one of the best offensive left tackles in the NFL this year, as far as not giving up sacks and and per snap basis. He's done a really good job and has gotten better the last couple of years. You just hope that Alex Leatherwood trends that way, right? As, As just like Colton Miller, but. Unfortunately, guys, he's got to do it a little quicker than Colton Miller did. He hasn't had the luxury of doing it over the last two or three years. The Raiders want to win now, and they need a guy like Alex Leatherwood to get better week to week.
3: Were you shocked and horrified like the rest of America about Darren Waller's celebration on the sideline?
4: <laughs> shocked? Not at all. I mean, what do you do, no, spin kidding. the ball?
3: I'm kidding. I was just saying, yeah. if you're going to throw, yeah. throw a flag on such a, a ridiculous moment, it just makes no sense.
4: Yeah, I don't get it because you see it a lot. A wide receiver will make a great play um, and run three or four yards down the field and he spins the ball. I mean, this was just a harmless catch the ball on the sideline. The play takes you out of bounds. You didn't go over and sit in front of the offense and Justin Herbert and, and, you know, do something to them in their face and then, you know, spin the ball on the ground. He kept running in a straight line down the side of the field just a couple yards into the Chargers bench and spun the ball. I mean, I, it's ridiculous. I mean, the things that the NFL, they let players do now, they don't let players do now, it's, it's sort of judgment call on the sideline refs or, or the, the main umpire. They're the ref. It, it's, it's literally their call and their personal judgment at that time of whether or not to throw a flag. And last night, yeah, that, was, that was pretty
3: week. Chargers Raiders obviously a great rivalry. We'll see it renewed in January and maybe a little bit extra to that game now after Joey Bosa just went nuclear on Derek Carr last night. What did you make of those comments and how much do you think that adds to the
4: rematch? I I think it adds a lot and I I wish this was a, a matchup coming up in five or six weeks and for Joey Bosa Obviously, really good. Brandon Staley uh, had him on the radio down here in LA today, the head coach of the Chargers, and asked him about it. And he even said, "You know, I'm not going to tell Joey to be quiet. Joey's going to say what he wants to say, but." You know, they don't want their guys, you know, out there saying, giving bull- bulletin board material, certainly. But he, not only did he talk about Derek Carr, went off about the refs and called them blind. I'm sure there's going to be a, a little ticket in his locker this week when he gets back uh, with a little fine from the National Football League because you cannot criticize officials like that and call them blind. So he'll get fined, I'm sure. But the comments about Derek Carr, I think John Gruden addressed it today and, you know, didn't get upset and didn't blast back at, at at Joey Bosa, but I think that's something you kind of got to put in the back pocket, and when it's time to play the Chargers again at the end of the season, you bring that back out and you make sure people remember it. But if you're Derek Carr, how do you how do you you know, how do you address this? Do you, do you go out in the field and, and try to prove that you're not, you're tough, and, and this and that, or do you just go out and keep playing the way you're playing? I mean, this is going to fall on Derek now to see how he goes out there the rest of the season. Is he going to get to let this get to him? Is this going to rattle him? He's going to try to go out and do too much. I mean, the image of him getting tackled and that ankle just being crushed. What four or five years ago, right before the playoffs, when the, the then Oakland Raiders were going to the postseason, he couldn't play in that game against the Houston Texans. That's still that's still pretty vivid in, in a lot of people's mind. You don't want him going out there and getting hurt, so I don't mind the fact that he that he kind of you know cringed up and took the hit. I'd rather him do that and not go out there and try to be a superhero and get hurt.
2: Tim Cates is with us, uh, pre and post for the Raiders, also part of AM five seventy in L. A. What was the big take from the game on L. A. Sports Talk Radio?
4: Um. Uh, Honestly, the game itself was secondary. Uh, it has been all day. The weather, and the fact that there was a 35-minute delay because of <laughs> weather here. I mean, we've had not even five inches of rain. I mean, you, you guys know this. You don't get rain there either. We, we get no rain here in Southern California. And the fact that all of a sudden the clouds came over Southern California and it just erupted over Inglewood and the west side of L.A. and uh, all over parts of L.A. County. And they had to delay a game in this $5 billion stadium, Monday Night Football. The commissioner. There, everybody's excited. Um, they couldn't get that game started fast enough, and that was the big topic today. Was one, how is this five billion dollar stadium, which has open sides but yet still has a roof, have a rain delay or a weather delay? And two, hey, how about that parking situation? That was the second big thing: is how, how long it took people to get out of the parking lot last night yeah. uh, in the area around the Forum and SoFi Stadium. People complained that it took forty-five minutes just to move about an hour and a half just to get out of the area that uh that needs to change so the, the game itself guys was secondary and let's be real it's because the chargers won and the chargers are like the clippers in this town they're the second team right. behind the rams you can make a case they're the third team behind the raiders as well so the game itself was a backseat to the traffic and the weather
2: there's not much they can do about the roads but did people blame uh lack of organization on just exiting in the parking lots was it just poorly run
4: Uh, Last night, I I kept hearing from people today, it was that fans just didn't want to leave. They wanted to celebrate, or not celebrate, just keep kind of partying, I guess, after the game was over. Uh, They partied until they get it hard. A lot of Raider fans there, I heard 80% were all Raider fans, you can certainly hear it, but what I was told is people just didn't want to leave. There was no sense of urgency to get out of the area. People were kind of there, hanging out, celebrating the game, celebrating Monday Night Football, and... Uh, continuing to keep that party after the game. So that was the big thing then. Then we've had issues, the preseason games with the Chargers and Rams, parking was an issue. Um, they seem to have fixed it up and, and had some sense sense of uh, plan as far as which direction cars are going to go to get out of that little small area. But uh, last night it reared its ugly head yet again, so hopefully they fix it. But again, this is the problem. People are talking about the parking and weather rather than the game itself last night.
2: Well, you know, I wanted to follow up. Uh, do you see a day, say, like 10 years from now, Justin Herbert and the Chargers are really good. They're 10-game winners every year. Maybe they get a Super Bowl where this Raider-Charger game will ever be, like, 70-30 in favor of the Chargers fans?
4: Well, I I, don't, I, I hope. I mean, for, for Southern California, I, I hope I should say that. And if you're Dean Spanos and you're the Charger, you know, uh, ownership, you're certainly hoping. I mean, you're you're renting – really cheaply a stadium to play in, so you're making tons of money off of ticket sales from other teams' fans coming in to watch their team play your team. I mean, if this is happening in 10 years from now, guys, then we probably got an issue that the Chargers are either not good and or not latching onto the the fan base here in southern california you would hope a guy like justin herbert would gravitate a lot of people who are maybe casual fans or looking for a team or maybe were charger fans are coming back or you know just want to root for a local team since they live here now but the chargers would be that team because of a uh, justin herbert but if in 10 years if we're talking and this team is still the second team or third team in los angeles then this is a problem because they have a special quarterback and a guy who could be a franchise changer. And the fact that if they're still struggling to, to get home fans at a Monday night game and they're being overtaken by the visiting fans, then this is a huge problem. But a problem for, for who, really? I mean, if they're still making money, right? I mean, the Spanos family is still going to get checks from all these, uh, these these tickets that are being bought in the sellout out crowd. They, maybe they don't care. I don't know.
2: I think you nailed it at the end. I'm not sure they do care. Uh, Tim, <laughs> yeah. hey, we appreciate a couple <laughs> minutes, man. Thank you.
4: Absolutely.
2: Thanks a lot, Stephen, Adam. Yeah, not to be mean to the Spanos family, but uh, if they cared, they would have gotten a deal done in San Diego, which could have been done. But I think the ultimate goal all along, which in a lot of ways I can't blame them, the value of the franchise doubled, if not tripled, going to L.A. But uh, this is what they signed up for. I said it yesterday. I'll say it again a billion times. They knew this was going to be the case. When the Raiders came down there, L.A. Raider fans were going to take over SoFi Stadium, and they're going to have a tough time. I think it's a legit question. I, I don't know if 10 years from now, even if Herbert and the Chargers are really successful, that they're ever going to go beyond a 50-50 balance uh, with that crowd. Right now, 2 nothing wild card game, 2 nothing Red Sox. Uh, in the second, they have a runner on second base, so they're threatening again. We'll give you an update before we get out of here on that, and also some uh, goings on uh, another NIL deal to actually uh, mention real quick with uh, UNLV
0: running Rebels. The show never ends. Watch the Cofield and Company late night pod tonight at nine o'clock on YouTube or at Steve Cofield on Twitter. Cofield and Company presents grab bag.
3: Don't touch it. Don't even look at
1: it.
0: Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Vegas.
1: Take your hand in there, Dave.
2: So many great giveaways on Cofield and Company. We got more tickets for the Shriners Children's Open. That's on Saturday. The tournament's longer than that, but we have Saturday tickets. PGA Tour is in town. TPC Summerlin. Brooks Kepka, Kevin Na, Louis Oosthuizen, Hideki Matsuyama, Patrick Reed, Adam Scott, Charlie Hoffman. Very familiar names to uh, Rebel fans on the back end there. Two tickets right now 364 1100, caller 7 364 1100. You can get your own tickets at TrinersChildrensOpen.com right now, 364-1100. Ari will hook you up with some golf tickets as the PGA is on the ground in Las Vegas. Stick
3: your hand in there, Dave.
2: Hmm, where do I go next? So much going on here. So little time. Hey, you know what I got to do? Real quick, can we do a taste test? Sure. So I was at a convenience store up the road. Um, I, did you see the uh, John Oliver, what's the name of the show, last week tonight? Yeah. And they had the voice guy freaking out over a, yet another pumpkin spice option. You remember what it was? No. It was seltzer. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I wanted to have it.
3: Okay.
2: You got so, it? Oh, good. I got one. I guess you can wipe wipe off uh, you can, I'll wipe of a uh, your residue off with a mask. Actually, yeah, you can pour it in a cup. Right? This is non alcoholic for the FCC. Give it a try. I think I'm already in. I don't even have to try it. I've got another one because it's actually a variety pack. It's the flannel pack. Uh, this one sounds like the grossest one possible. It is the toasted marshmallow. So we're doing... No, I'm in. 100%. We're, we're trying things. I'm going to have to do the can. Sorry. No one's speaking. It actually does taste like pumpkin spice. All right. Try the toasted marshmallow. Give <laughs> it try. No, like give it a try. It. No, it a sounds try. like it destroyed you. Whoa. I mean, it does take like... Mar- it, it is amazing the artificial flavorings in these things. Oh you really uh, you really wanted to what are you doing? Four and five drinks of it? All right, take it easy. No, I just I wanted to clear out the cup so I could pour oh, okay. marshmallow Get it. into it. Let me smell it. All right. So marshmallow and pumpkin spice seltzer. And we're both seltzer junkies now. I don't like the can of the toasted marshmallow. No, oh, you don't like the colors? No. We could probably stagger. The drinking. All right. The pumpkin spice, I'm in. I really... But I'm a, I'm a pumpkin spice junkie, so I'll, anything with pumpkin spice. If I don't have pumpkin spice to drink, I'll just nibble on a candle. I don't care. I really want to like the toasted marshmallow one. I know you do, but that's rough. I'll say this. It's a little too sweet. Some of them... That's a the problem with the seltzer. Some of them are just too sweet. I'll say this. I feel like it kicks in
3: like later. Is it's that good, good or bad? No, the the good, the marshmallow part, yeah, the I, good part. That's what I thought too. Kicks in a little bit later. Okay, all right.
2: Well, there you go. I'm I'm okay with it. I don't feel like I got hosed on this variety pack. What these are the only two? Or there's more. There's like an apple, and I cannot remember the fourth. But I figured I didn't need to bring up four. You brought you brought a whole case of them. Yeah, you know you can't get them. I don't think they do tall cans. I know you love the tall cans. I don't think you are doing. I'm if finishing. they did, the, if they did the pumpkin spice tall can, I'd be on that. Finishing the marshmallow one. Before I, leave it. I told you they completely screwed me on the uh, what is it? The natty light ones. Yeah, like house rules, and uh, I forget the other names. They're you know they're pretty good. Like, you can't find them anywhere. It's, you just it's keep tough. you just keep going here. Marshmallow tough.
3: over and over again. It's tough to get the marshmallow one right.
2: Uh, for anyone out there, we'd like an nil deal on this. Yes, that'd be nice. I would push sure.
3: it. Stick your hand in there, Dave.
2: Uh, speaking of that, so we were talking about UNLV run rebels all uh, get an allowance courtesy of finley toyota and some other sponsors uh that can be used on a car or this is an nil deal or just to you know offset any expenses they have so that's kind of cool that's a deal that came down which by the way i i'm guessing that that was actually because it's multiple sponsors that it was facilitated by someone like Bill Paulus, one of the big benefactors of the program, so he does a great job around running around basketball. That's a guess. I
3: would definitely like to get like a fifty-fifty, like get a car like two fifty, and then two fifty like cash,
2: and then you can spend two fifty on seltzers. Yeah, if you're if you're of legal age, mostly the marshmallow one. All right, good deal. Back in there. Stick your hand in there, Dave. How about this one? Uh, according to Woj, as he sources a report from uh, BBW, Big Brian Windhorse. Ready for this one on the whole vax thing? Brooklyn Nets remain unclear on Kyrie Irving's ultimate intentions to get vaccinated and have made no decision on whether the organization will accommodate him as a part-time player this season, which really isn't a report. I guess we're still where we are, but well, they, they did part-time say, player.
3: They did say that I'm moving practice. That was one of the things. Oh, that's right. That they have to move practice. It's not out. just the game. Yeah, the they have to move practice. practice out of Brooklyn in order for him to practice. Oh, my God. And they were like,
2: no, nah, we're not moving practice. Thanks for housing the show. Nova Home Loans, give them a call. Dustin DeHart, get that mortgage tuned up. He's saving people money all over Las Vegas, 577-2600.